Welcome everyone to Sasha Moving Mountains. Today I welcome Jay Stewart Dixon. His new book, Spirituality for Badasses, blossomed out of Jay Stewart's life as a spiritual seeker, finder, and coach teacher. He teaches based on his direct experience, 29 years of interaction with numerous non-duality, Advaita Zen unorthodox teachers, his ongoing education, and certification in modern mindfulness and a degree in communications engineering from Syracuse University in Syracuse, New York. He makes his home in Virginia. Welcome, Jack, to Moving Mountain. Hey, Sasha. It's nice to be here. It's, uh, thank you very much. Today, we're celebrating the release of your book, Spirituality for Badasses. For audience members who are not familiar with you, who are you and how did you come about penning this book? Sure. So let's start with this to answer about who, who I am uh, or to, is to describe the book a little bit. And that is that it's, a, it's an irreverent, uh, potty-mouthed, and humorous self-help book. And um, it's about how, uh, how one can uh, find some inner peace and, and happiness without losing your cool. And so that kind of describes me and how I got into spirituality. Uh, I, 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 I usually what I tell people right off the bat is that I, I suffered from depression when I was in my 20s and uh, part of my 30s. And that sucked, um, you know, like everybody else. It's no fun. And uh, I tried some uh, of the usual methods and didn't particularly take, uh, take a liking to those. And um, so I kind of got dragged, kicked and uh, kicking and screaming into spirituality as a way to um, uh, help me with this depression. Now, I, I, I say depression, though it was, you know, a, a sort of a, there's so many varieties of, of depression. And in my own case, it, it just sort of was a gnawing sense of not fitting in on the planet, not uh, being born in the wrong place, of, 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 not, um, of not just being okay, of not being happy. Um, I was still functional, um, but there was deep in my heart uh, just a sense of just like, ah, it's just, I, what, what am I doing here? Why am I here? And why do I feel so bad about being here? And so um, got involved in uh, uh, spirituality and found that, lo and behold, there's, there's uh, some truth to it uh, through a variety of experiences. And one thing led to another, and I got involved eventually with, more, with teachings that were along the line of non-duality, Advaita Vedanta, Zen, um, which is all really fancy names and terms of, of just looking inside and finding that part of oneself that is already okay, that is already at peace, that is already at rest, and then doing the shadow work, the difficult work of once you've recognized your 
you, you see it a little bit, then there's all this crap that's in the way. There's, there's ego and personality and our limitations and our fears. So that's called shadow work. And I did a ton of that with a ton of different teachers. And that's how I got into all of this. Is, uh, I call it my invitation. I was invited by uh, depression. Given your definition of depression, did you dabble with the substance, alcohol, the medication, and the drugs because you suspected that may mitigate the alleged depression? When I was in my 20s, I dabbled in drinking and smoking pot like anybody else, but I wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, you know, a detrimental problem in any way. Um, it was or recreational. I never, it was rec- So, yeah, and I was very fortunate with my depression. It just... You know, I, 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 I fully admit to having been raised in a really, really beautiful, uh, functional, and happy family, which was awesome. Um, and so the depression that, that I, I, I was fortunate in that I just sensed that this depression was more, there was something more existential about it than there was personal. And what I mean by that, is that I wasn't suffering from a damaged childhood. I wasn't angry and messed up and as a result of that doing hard drugs. I wasn't, uh, I had no real damaged zones or parts. The usual, you know, small stuff, but nothing that stood out. So that was what's odd about my depression. Here I was, middle class, good family, hence living in America in a safe place in town. And I just, you know, why in the world did I not feel accepted and loved and happy? And so that's how my, that's how my depression manifested itself. And then it slowly over the years, it turned into a festering kind of just, uh, you know, it was just very, very on the inside, just very, very loud all the time, this sense of just I do not feel comfortable. So drugs and alcohol were at the time recreational, and they still are today. I don't, you know, I'm no saint, and I'm no, I'm I'm a flawed superhero. I completely admit that. I still, uh, you know, enjoy a beer when I'm cooking barbecue, and and, marijuana is legal in Virginia, and I like to smoke marijuana every once in a blue moon. It doesn't bother me. But yeah, for you know, and I address this in Spirituality for Badasses. It is no mystery to me or it's no surprise to me that people that would pick up such a book might have substance or alcohol abuse, and I take that very seriously. And that's a, you know, the, what is it, like over 10% of, a, of Americans are on antidepressants, and opioid addiction is a, is a huge problem. So I do address that in my book, and... I'm not a one who says, oh, you shouldn't get uh, conventional therapy. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with conventional therapy and there's nothing wrong for, I think, for a short period of time of even taking an antidepressant or two. But in my own case, and, and, I, and I do feel that in the case of others, there can be a limitation to that and then you start seeking out other alternative modalities of healing like I did and I'm just that's my stick that's the most spirituality and mindfulness and that's that's kind of like you know the thing that did it for me and and it's not the only way to arrive to 
you know, some, some healthy sanity, but it worked for me, and, and that's, that's kind of what I preach these days. You're providing very sage guidance that is not only sensible but realistic, everything in moderation. In your coaching services, you touch upon that majority of us in some capacity have blocked zones that need to be healed. Yeah. How do you define healing from your given professional experience? Sure. So when, I, when an individual comes to me and they're looking for healing, um, if there's as you said, block, walls that need to be overcome. The, um, the, the mindfulness term is simply to meet these blocks and these walls and these fears with awareness. In other words, to find these broken zones, to find these spots, and to see them and to fully accept them and to stop pushing them away and to, to integrate. And so if you go to, towards the, the Zen and non-dual spectrum, of the teaching, what you're really doing there is that you're loving them. You're doing quite the opposite of, of seeing them as a, a, a detrimental flaw or, or seeing them as a, a huge problem. Instead, you're doing the opposite. You're flooding them with the light of your own awareness. And um, what that does is it doesn't make you perfect and it doesn't get rid of them, you know, 100%. You are never, if you were wounded as a child psychologically, you're probably not going to, you know, that's going to be with you the rest of your life. But there is a way that you can remove the fangs from that experience. There's a way that you can declaw it. And I have found, again, my shtick, that by really, really accepting it, by really, really feeling it completely through the lens, of the internal awareness that is discovered in the process, that healing takes place, that growth takes place, that change takes place, that evolution takes place. With the shadow work experience that you did, how were you able yeah. to manage to not lose your cool? Because there are going to be days where you see progress and strides, and then there are going to be days where you feel, okay, is there any, there may be movement, but not progress. Yeah, so when I say lose your cool, you know, what you're asking is, Hey, I bet you, you know, you're a grown man. I bet you cried. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Absolutely. And I still do. You know, there's a, it's, it depends on your definition of cool. And to me, seeing a grown man cry and meet his emotions and meet his fears is the coolest damn thing in the world. Because that takes courage, and courage is cool. And, and, and to meet and to grow and to change and to go and to, to, to discover things about yourself that hurt, that is cool. That takes courage. And, and, and what happens is that in doing that, it creates an inner equilibrium, an inner balance that then after you've, sure, you've had that volcanic moment, you've had that earthquake, and you've, you know, maybe it, to one degree or another, you've fallen to pieces and have slightly lost your cool, but not really. But then once you've done that, once you've done that and integrated that, then life and your experience of it just becomes much more resilient. You just have a, a sense, an internal sense that everything is, is okay. And how cool is that, right? So 
that's my uh, that's my answer and definition of what cool is. You touched upon a very insightful message that you shared in your article interview on Creative Circle, and it focuses mm. on abstaining from certain experiences of life. Where you jokingly mentioned that you were able to find your inner badass without compromising your libido, because when you go through spiritual yeah. self development, at times people give up certain aspects of just basic biological living to reach yeah. this alleged nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a that's a hot topic. I it's funny. I, I avoid in 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 my teaching and in in really in the book as well the word nirvana or words like enlightenment or God even because I mean the subtitle of the book is the ultimate spiritual but not religious book. But nonetheless, Sasha, I totally understand what you're what you're asking there, and yes, so. How, so in this process of discovering a deeper truth about yourself and, and, and a deeper awareness, it's a big thing. You're inviting a very, very big and beautiful thing to integrate into your life and into your being. So something's got to give. Something's got to move out of the way in order for that to happen. And classically, throughout religious and spiritual traditions that what moves out of the way will, you know, cherry pick through a hundred million different things that one diet and sexuality and spending time with human beings, don't eating at McDonald's, don't drive cars, don't, uh, you know, uh, be a breathitarian. Don't, don't, uh, it's so many do's and don'ts in, in, in that process. And I think I think that a, a little bit of space is definitely a good thing. Like, if, yeah, if you have a problem with alcohol, alcohol's got to go before you can work on yourself because that's a, for your internal self because that's a problem. If you're a sexual addict and, you, addict and you watch porn all day long, some of that's got to go too because you're not going to be able to, again, really have the wherewithal, the energy, and the clarity to work on the internal self if you've got these external problems. So there is some truth, obviously, to having moderation with things like sexuality and even lesser things beyond substance abuse, social media, watching too much TV, chit-chatting and talking all the time, all these things that we do. It's good to... It's good to get some a break on those things and, and take some distance. So what I teach what I teach is like how do you do that when you're so addicted to it? Well, it's it, it is difficult without some sort of internal paradigm that that serves as a a balm serves as a substitute to those things. And just like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, they teach to uh, to be inspired by a higher power, they call it. And so really doing the same thing here, it's like you no longer have, if you're addicted to things, and you've, got a, you've got a serious problem with alcohol, with drugs, with porn, with eating bad food. It's probably good that you find some sort of island within first that you can say, once all that's gone, then, then what do I have? Then you have your own internal badass self. So, so it's a very balanced approach. There's no, I, I don't advocate. I'm married. I'm a son. He's 14. 
I have a, you know, on my shelf in front of me right now is a bottle of wine, and it's just finding that balance of... of what works for you. Be, yeah, what works for you, and, and, but not being neurotic about it, you see. Not being, not being like, uh, I had a teacher, East called lunch righteous. They're all righteous <laughs> about the fact that you, you know, that you don't eat meat and that you only eat broccoli for lunch. Well, you just get, you get uppity and righteous about it. And that's not the way to do it. Well, there are people who treat it as a trend, but if they really are serious about it, at least in my professional opinion, it's more of a sensible lifestyle as you share through examples. Yeah. Of- how you live. Self-development, the self has to show up and do the work. You can't outsource the dirty work. And it mm. does take a lot mm. of courage, as you mentioned. Who are your ideal mm. students that you do choose to partner with and help them along their path? And who are the type of prospective clients that you could tell they're not ready to work and meet their <laughs> darker half? Yeah. I like the, there's a middle ground where the glass isn't half full and it's not half empty. Because if the glass is too full, they've got too many ideas. They've been involved in, let's say, they've been involved in non-duality or teachings of enlightenment or have been on some path with one particular teacher for a long, long time. Well, that glass is really full, and that's a hard one. Because that's a lot of dismantling, a lot of undoing that one has to go through. And, And a lot of times life just does that for that person on its own. So that's not the ideal. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, for a long time, I, I tried to teach and tried to reach that particular audience. And, and I think that I just wasn't, my authentic voice, which is humorous and potty mouth, didn't appeal to those people. So, <laughs> so yeah, which is all good, you know, which is fine because there's, there's other people, other, it's a beautiful scenario. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're brand new to this, well, my book is perfect for you. My book is absolutely the perfect newbie book because it's, it's, it's got lots of sugar in it that, goes, that makes the medicine go down real easy. It's, it's, it's an adventure story, and it's funny. It's humorous. It's the, I, I get so many people who say, I bought five copies for my family you know, or my friends, you know, and that's just so awesome. That's, that, that's the, the book is the perfect sort of beginning. But I've noticed that who I like to work with, they've, they've uh, walked down the path a little beyond the book. Mine is an, amongst a number of books that perhaps they've read. And then perhaps they've even gone, been in a mindfulness-based stress reduction course or done a little bit, you know, got, gotten out in the world and gotten their, their feet wet. And now they're, as far as coaching is concerned with me and what I offer in that area, that's my perfect client. They're open. Um, they don't, uh, the glass isn't so full that it's, it's hard to, you know, teach, but it's not so empty that um, they uh, don't get or understand any of the, any of the process or the, or, or the concept. So, you know, but I don't, I try to help people wherever they are and, and, and whatever the, I think this is what happened with this book with spirituality for badasses was it, I wrote it and Lo and behold, very, very surprised. It just resonated with a lot of people and a lot of people that I would never have thought would be reading a book about spirituality. And I cannot tell you, Sasha, how good that makes me feel. I feel as though I'm reaching a whole hurting and um, section of the population that is in pain and is perhaps seeking for something that normally wouldn't investigate these areas and 
they do with spirituality for badasses. They're willing to pick that book up. And that's, I think that's such a beautiful thing. For those listening, I highly recommend them to also check out the book Spirituality for Badasses on Amazon. There is a sample available. I appreciate humor, and I've read through parts of it. And I will say, for some people who are very serious, I don't think they would imagine spirituality and humor dancing around in the same space. Also, I find it beautiful that you mentioned you work with people and help them from where they are. You're not waiting for them to reach a certain fork in the road, and then you help them. You accept people as they come. Oh, yeah, you have to do that. That's what I said this yesterday in an interview, that, that I, I, I'm interested in the whole human being, flaws and all. I mean, I'm flawed utterly, completely. And so, but yet there's this superpower that I've discovered that is this weird coexistence between your flaws and the ability, the deep, deep ability to love your own flaws. I think that that comes to as a shock with a lot of individuals when I work with them and really when they read the book because I do the same thing in the book. I love you for your, for with you, with or without your flaws. It's all good. I love your flaws. And you have to, as, a, as someone who's teaching, is authoring this kind of self-help, I mean, you have to be able to do that. And because if you can't love your own flaws and you can't love the flaws of those who are your readers and fans, and then they're not going to be able to love themselves either and love their own flaws. Very true. I also want to touch upon the courses that are available for audience members if they read the book and then they find your app. You're available in the form of videos and you help them along their journey. So I'm, I'm currently actually writing a, a new, it's a workbook, and that will be out in January of 2022, so in a couple months. Um, and that workbook is complementary to the first book, and it has a lot more exercises. It will come with audio um, files that are provide the, all the mindfulness exercises and attention and awareness exercises that I teach. That's the newest thing. Now, you can go to spiritualityforbadasses.com currently, and there's two or three little courses. There's, a, there's an app you can get on your phone that, that uh, I think is really cool. It's got 50 different videos, and it's sort of a, a little first aid kit for life um, when you say you're at work and you're just having a crap time with your boss and it's just really stressful. Hey, there's an app for that. <laughs> it's called the Spirituality for Badasses app. And literally you can go in and there's like a seven or eight minute little video that steps you through, okay, you're having a you know, crap time with your boss or you're having a very stressful time with your wife or spouse or you're having an, a little anxiety attack or you're feeling depressed or you're feeling stressed or your children are driving you crazy. There's 50 different scenarios that are pretty common scenarios that just serve as a, okay, stop a minute, take a breath, you're okay, we can do this together, that serve as that kind of tool that you can, because it, you can have it on your phone, which I think is really, really, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'll be first to say that. Um, but it's sort of like a little pocket self-help spiritual therapy is what it is. So, there you go. And, and yeah, so that's, uh, that's, it, that's it, my website. And they are, a few sample videos are available on spiritualityforbadasses.com. And as we start to wrap things up, you are also now an author. What was the writing experience like? Did you write the book in one sitting over a span of months, or did you start writing it and then you came back five years later and finished it? Um, thank you. That's a great question. Um, so Spirituality for Badasses is, is my second book, 
my first book I wrote 10 years ago. And I, I started writing Spirituality for Badasses in 20, at the, right as COVID started, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Before that time, over the years, between the, the first book and this one, I did try a few other books that I just hadn't found my voice. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this and the audience this because I don't want to think, you know, it's, it's a struggle. It's a, being a writer is a struggle, and it took me a while to find my voice, and it wasn't some overnight thing, magical. I just, you know, pulled this out of my butt, and it worked, you know, instantly. No, it was some, it was some time and energy. So, so 2020, um, I just tried one version of the book, and it sort of flopped with me and some audience, and I was like, oh, and I just got really frustrated, and I was like, what am I going to do? What am I, you know, I just wanted to teach. I wanted to do something creative. I wanted to let my inner, you know, self out, and... So in this frustration, I sat down and let out all of the sarcasm, potty mouth, um, humor, and love that I could, and and I and I wrote the first like two or three chapters in one evening. And I was like, "This is who I am, and this is what I'm going to say. No holds bar, damn it. This is this is how it's going to. This is how I'm going to express myself, and people can love it and or they can hate it. I don't care. And lo and behold, I sent, I I wrote, I gave those away for free, and poo, it just kind of caught on fire in me. Um, and uh, uh, two months later, I had thousands of people on my email list that were sort of gobbling the book up as I wrote it and were loving all the chapters. And so I would send them more chapters and I just send everybody I could get free and my email list was growing. So during the pandemic, during 2020, I am proud to say that I wasn't sitting around on my butt and moaning and groaning. <laughs> I was having a pretty good time writing this book, you know, although there's nothing wrong with moaning and groaning about COVID, that's for sure. <laughs> so I wrote the book in 2020. And then I hired a because I knew is I, I had a, I had a great sense that it was going to be successful, but I, did, I didn't really know. Um, and, and, I, and I hired a, a really good launch and PR team. And this year in January, I, I launched it on Amazon. Um, and it went to number one in nine categories and uh the rest is kind of i don't know it's not uh i'm still i'm, I'm st it's still kind of you know arriving on the scene still but i'm very tickled to i i, I am very surprised i can't believe that really to this day i kind of have to pinch myself thinking wow i'm I'm actually becoming a full-time writer, and that's pretty cool. Just by hearing you speak, I could tell that when you finally started writing in your voice the way you feel like it, there's always going to be an audience. Your work resonates with them. And I love that you bring humor to the table because sometimes people need to learn it's okay to laugh. They're all going to die sooner or later. Yeah. Well, laughter is, I mean, this, this life that we're living is both a comedy and a tragedy, isn't it? Right? It's the Tao. It's the Tao. It, it's, there's no escaping it, positive and negative, and um, embracing both is sort of the trick. So in Spirituality for Badasses, I most definitely invite the readers to embrace laughing. Laughter is instant enlightenment. And I also invite them to embrace tears because tears are also instant enlightenment. I said I wouldn't use that word, but I just went ahead and did it. <laughs> <laughs> Enlightenment is a word that I also uh, keep my distance from, but I like how yeah. you Susan did with humor. And you beat me to it. I was going to ask if you had any action items from audience members who could act upon any guidance, but you encouraged them to get in touch with their tears and their laughter. It can't get any more yeah. authentic than that. Oh, yeah. 
such a beautiful when you're you know when you're here it is when you when you laugh a good one when you really laugh you're in your body you're in the present moment there's nothing else nothing can touch you nothing can bother you you're totally here and now and isn't that also the truth with crying with tearing with emoting deeply and authentically you're in the your body is finally here finally present as you know in a way that it probably hasn't been since you were a child and it's so beautiful both of those things and you're welcome to share with audiences where they can connect with you sure thing you can go to spiritualityforbadasses.com and if you would like to purchase the book you can just go to amazon and type that title in spirituality for badasses and it'll pop right up wonderful jeff i appreciate you and i love the fun and sensible message you bring to audiences thank you for joining us at moving mountains thank you sasha it was a pleasure speaking with you today